0: Good morning again, LOH. It's definitely uh, so good to be here. Uh, If you're tuning in for one of your first times, or maybe you just started tuning in recently uh, to LOH, you may not be familiar with me. My name is Pastor Sean. I'm uh, the associate pastor here, and uh, I'm just grateful to be able to serve you and be able to share the word this morning. And uh, you know, I want to start off with a thought that hit me this week that kind of sparked this. Uh, It wasn't something in scripture, it wasn't in quiet time. It was me watching a political speech, and God rocked my world. um, About a challenge for me that I felt like I am just supposed to share. And that thought that hit me the other night was, when I was listening to the speech, was that God gave me two distinct challenges within it. I feel like God desires us to be known as individuals who would rather... Not complain about problems, but we'd rather be the ones that are collaborate to solve the problems. I feel like God's desiring his church to be those people that were not the complainers, but were the solvers. And I felt like God spoke to me the, a second thing where he said, I want you to be men and women who are known for the content of your character more than anything else. And now I'm ripping off a, a line from different speeches. I'm not advocating for the politics of the speeches, I'm not advocating for where I got it from. But what I'm telling you is I felt like as I was listening on two distinct occasions, I felt like those things I could not shake. And as I was sitting there and I was processing that and I was processing for where I was gonna teach this morning and and it's funny because the title of this morning's message uh, is kinda goofy. It's called Don't Drink the Kool-Aid. I want to talk to you about not drinking the Kool-Aid this morning. You see, you'll see how this makes sense because, you see, when I think about Kool-Aid, what do I think about? I think about Kool-Aid, it's super sweet. And who doesn't love Kool-Aid? I mean, whether you pick the grape, watermelon, cherry, fruit punch, pink lemonade, it doesn't matter what flavor of Kool-Aid you like. If I right now was to pour me a cup of Kool-Aid, the band would be up here asking for their own cup because it's legit. But here's the interesting thing about Kool-Aid even though it tastes so awesome. And like when you drink a cup, you want another cup and then you're really mad because after that pack it's made and you've dumped all the sugar, you're out of sugar and you're out of Kool-Aid and you want more. It doesn't have an ounce of nutritional value. So it tastes so good, we enjoy the sweetness of it, but it offers no nutritional value. You see, and when I think about not drinking the Kool-Aid, and you heard me talk about not complaining, being being someone that I believe the church is calling us to solve problems, I believe the Kool-Aid represents drama and discord, offense. I believe that it tastes sweet at first when you have drama and you're involved with drama. I'm being honest, it sounds crazy, but when you're first involved in drama, you get hyped up in it. It tastes sweet, but it has no nutritional value. When you get worked up and you're offended and you build up your case against someone and you're sitting there and you're going, but you know what, they stink. It tastes sweet to mouth off and talk about somebody. You know, that's the funny part. Gossip leads to destruction, but if we, talk, if we talk from the flesh, not the spirit right here, we enjoy it when, we, when, when it really comes. I mean, when we, when we succumb to gossip, it feels good. We're like, man, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what you want to know. You want to know something? They suck. This is why. And I'm telling you right now, this is it right here. You know, there was this time when they did this, and there was this time when they did that. And you know what? They don't even know how to raise their kids. You know what their kids do? And we could just go on down that line. We man, we're feeling so good about ourselves. We've all been there. Conversations hit, we get sucked in. Cause drama and discord, we love it, man. There's I mean, think about it. Think about it even from an entertainment standpoint. I'm not judging you if you watch it. I don't watch this show, but I know enough about it. The Bachelor. Let's be honest here. Pastor Dustin is a sucker. For the bachelor, and he's not sitting there just going, I wonder who she's gonna pick or who he's gonna pick. It's all the chaos, it's the oh my gosh, did you see that? It happened. Oh my goodness. We all we all get suckered into something. It's the drama, it's the drama, it sucks us in. Reality shows you love it when people are ready to fight. We're all laughing, you know why? Because it's true. Drama gets exciting. Nobody likes a boring football game, but when the drama's hype, we're like, ah, we don't care if we like the two teams, come on. Because it's drama. When we find out there's an upcoming fight in boxing or MMA, what do we do? If they don't like each other, there's all this drama. We're like, man, we gotta watch it. These two guys don't even like each other. It's because we get sucked into the drama. We drink that Kool-Aid because it's sweet. But there's power in drama. Let's look at it from our community standpoint right now in our nation. Look at all the drama that's going on right now. You're just on social media that right now, if you were to post something that's pro-Republican, you're going to have Democrats hating on you. If you post something pro-Democrat, you'll have Republicans hating on you. If you're a church that decides to worship one way to keep it safe, you got people everywhere hating on you. Inside the church, outside the church, everybody hating on you. We're destroying each other. People people, people in our community, leaders, move on, leaders things happen, and all of a sudden everybody's got a take on it, and everybody's blasting it on Facebook, and we got all the drama. Somebody doesn't like something their pastor does. It's drama. If you're a Republican, you gotta be racist. But over here, if you're this, you got to be a Democrat. Whatever happened to just being the individual God designed you to be? Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened? You know why? Because it's not dramatic enough. And the devil is enjoying the drama, and all he has to do is stir it up. I believe that right now, if the devil, if we, if the devil was to manifest himself, he'd be sitting on the beach right now, drinking a Mai Tai somewhere, going, man, they're taking care of it on their own. We don't even need, I don't even need to get active right now. Because that's the truth of where we are today. And yes, I said a Mai Tai in my sermon. It's interesting because the drama starts to fill out there and you know what happens misery loves company so then it starts to go so you got the kool-aid and then people want the kool-aid and everybody's drinking the kool-aid together and all of a sudden it comes because misery loves company we love having co-signers of our own destruction and dysfunction we look for people to co-sign on it because it runs in company We all want to drink the Kool-Aid, and we find other people that like our flavor. And what we do is we cancel out the people that don't like our flavor. You know, it's a dangerous game that they tell you in the leadership world, that's called groupthink. The downfall of the greatest leaders in the world always came because they had a groupthink going on, where everybody at the table said the same thing, and they were afraid to say something otherwise. So I build that and I told you those challenges God gave me at the beginning and I look at this and I see a challenge. And what I'm calling is I believe God has asked me to be a spokesperson, whoever I am, whoever listens to this, that I think it's time that we stop complaining and drinking the Kool-Aid together and let's start being a part of the solution. Let's set the Kool-Aid down and let's start showing that we have living water coming in and out of our lives and we start spreading something that's a little different. Let's be a light to the darkness. Let's stop drinking the Kool-Aid as the drama continues to ensue. I believe it calls for collaboration. You know why? Because you want to destroy discord and division, you start collaborating. You show that you can work well with others and you see the church come together and unify for solutions where it doesn't have to be a one-man shop to defeat discord because discord will never be defeated by one man or one woman. It comes when you unify and you collaborate in the name of Jesus Christ where the working parts of the church can truly work their way out the way they were intended to be and we come together for that. If you're at home and he's going he's yelling well I usually yell but second I'm really passionate about this because I want us as a church to be someone that shows the content of what we stand for in Christ is something worthy that you want to serve and follow. Something that people look up to not mock. So Paul was doing some writing and He wrote a letter to the church of Ephesus and I want to talk from Ephesians chapter 4 with you guys tonight. I'm going to pick up in verse 17. And I'll stop and I'm going to teach parts of this here for a moment with y'all. It says, so I tell you this, starting in verse 17. So I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. I want to point something out here real quick. You see, it says he gave them over to the futility of thinking. Because you know what? A good thought doesn't mean it's God. Good doesn't always mean it's God but God is gonna be good. You gotta catch that. That's the important part of us getting quiet and praying through our decisions and making wise decisions. But it's telling us that the world is darkened by their understanding. They have actually gotten to a place that when you've been wounded, because what am I been talking about? When you drink the Kool-Aid, what does it do? It wounds you because the Kool-Aid starts to wound you because it has no nutritional value. It might taste sweet, but all you're doing is getting diabetes. Yeah, I just said that. The fat man on stage just said diabetes. But the truth is, it starts to build. It starts to build. And all of a sudden, you get these wounds, and they're building, and they're festering, and then they harden. And you get scar tissue, and you start to harden your heart. And it says that then they indulge in everything, but it's full of greed. What I want you to get from this is when you see the word greed, you actually, when you study the word greed, it's saying rooted in self. Greed doesn't always mean money. It means entitled. It means to be a lover of self and the things that the self desires. So all of a sudden, your offense comes because the world naturally is offended because they are looking out for who? Their self. It is a get yours type world that we live in. But then it goes on, and Paul writes, that however, that is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, to literally take it off. It's like a robe. Take your old self off, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holy. so literally think about it guys when you drink the Kool-Aid you got to set it down cuz it's like you're taking off you're going you know what that was my old ways that was the way I liked to I liked to partake it was so sweet but you know what it's kind of bitter now cuz it's lost the sweetness try drinking Kool-Aid with no sugar in it it's kind of bitter when it starts to lose the sweetness it gets a little bitter you got to take off your old self and you put your new self on because God transformed your life with an identity and a purpose that was designed from heavenward. Not something that somebody else has labeled you with your mistakes or your successes. God doesn't desire you to follow your hype men or your critics. He has designed you with an identity and a purpose. But then it goes on. It says in verse 25... Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. But you must work doing something useful with your own hands. That you may have something to share with those in need. I want to point out some scripture there with you. It says, put off falsehood and speak truthfully. You see, when you gain offense and and you and you start to live in the world of discord and unforgiveness, the devil makes a case. And the greatest storyteller of lies is the enemy himself. And he can, tell up a, he can tell up a story, and he can get to that place to where you honestly believe the lie that you may have even originally realized was a lie. So what you have to do is, is you got to put down the Kool-Aid and say, you know what, I'm tired of these lies, and I want to speak truthfully. So the falsehood has to go away. The fakeness has to go away. The offense of me building a story in a case that may not be true has to go away. So I'm going to put it down. And it says, in your anger, do not sin. How many times do we got people out there? I love the fact, you know there's a nickname on, on social media, the keyboard warriors of the world. where everybody's a warrior on, key, on keyboards, where everybody's like, "Man, I'll tell you what, blah blah, blah blah blah." But those people would never have a courageous conversation with if they looked you in the eye. Because the world has learned how to manipulate behind a screen sometimes. But our attitude is is when we're wounded, we get angry. And when we don't know the peace of God that we sang about earlier, we're angry. We live in an angry world. And you want to know something? The things that are going on in the world, there are things wounding people because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that's filled with hate. You know why? Because it's a sinful, broken world. People are getting wounded and it's causing anger. But you know what, church? Let's not complain about the anger. Let's not complain about the movements that have shown anger. You know what we do? Let's be the solution and show love to an angry world around us and stop complaining about it. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Stop sitting around at lunch complaining about it. Show love to one person. Maybe change the paradigm for that day. It says, do not give the devil a foothold. I'm not much of a mountain climber. You know, we got a guy in the church here. I watched him like freestyle, like a small cliff, like Bill Bauer. Made me sick to my stomach watching it because I hate heights. But you want to know something? That foothold, when you study that, it's the source of strength to make progress up a climb. To gain altitude. That foothold gives you the space and the strength. That when you find a foothold, you have stepped in and you have, you have secured yourself. You cannot give the devil access to a foothold. When you come over and go, that's pretty good. I'm going to participate. You know what happens? You just give the devil a foothold. It's time that we stop giving the devil a foothold. You know what, you say? You know what would be the coolest thing we do? I've been trying to do this more often and I'm still failing. I'm preaching myself, people. Is when you get circled up at work and people are all negative. Respectfully, just leave, your, leave the conversation. Say, guys, I got somewhere to be. I can't, I'm not, I'm not much for all the negativity. You're not disrespecting them. I just, I'm going to show love and respect and honor, but I'm going to walk away. You know what's awesome too? Is when you do participate, apologize to the group and say, you know what? I dishonored a teammate. When you guys were talking about that teammate, I was dishonoring them. You know what? I should have went to them. I should have Matthew 18 it. But you must work and do something. And you know what? I love this. It says you must steal no longer. You see, what happens when we, have dis, when we have discord and we have offense? You know what it does? It starts to allow people to be used to steal each other's joy, steal each other's passions, steal each other's purposes. tries to, tries to redefine them and steal that perspective. You know what it says? It says right there, what did it say? It said, must steal no longer, but do something useful. What if we stop drinking the Kool-Aid and we as the church say, we're going to do something useful. We're going to do something different. But then it goes on in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Ooh, that's where I'm going to go. Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. I look at that scripture and I go, first thing it says is do not let unwholesome talk. If you look at the word unwholesome here, guys, wholesome talk means to bring wholeness, unwholesome talk means to divide. To tear down. To not make something whole. You know a lot of times we can sit and Christianize that sometimes in just like our quick brief read and think okay well unwholesome talk. Well I'm not gonna tell any dirty jokes. I'm not gonna cuss. But what if unwholesome talk was about are we willing to bring and speak to bring the wholeness of an individual of their identity and purpose in Christ and that our talk is meant to build up and not tear down. What if it's a little deeper than just saying, all right, I gave my life to Jesus, I ain't gonna tell those dirty jokes anymore. And you know what, I'll try not to cuss anymore. I'll start knocking out some of those four-letter words as I go here. But how about it's a little bit deeper? How about it's a little deeper in building each other up that they may benefit those who listen? What if we sit there and we calculate our words to be intentional that we're trying to benefit the people around us? But when we drink the Kool-Aid, is it benefiting us? No. Is it benefiting those who be invited to the table to drink the Kool-Aid? No. So you know what we do? We don't drink the Kool-Aid. But then it goes on. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want to I show something here that's really interesting because a lot of times when, we, when, you, when, you, when you're the full, a full gospel church like we are, we think about the, the move of the Holy Spirit and the gifts and the fruits, and that's all a part of it. But one part, sometimes we can leave, it's easy to leave out, is when you think of grieve, what do you grieve? You grieve something that's dead or dying. Grieving the Holy Spirit is going contrary to the life that the Holy Spirit is trying to provide. The life-giving of your actions and your speech, that is when you're grieving the Holy Spirit. The grieving of the Holy Spirit is not sometimes where you go, hey, was that a prophetic word or not a prophetic word? You know what, if you say no, is that grieving the Holy Spirit? Eh, what I would tell you is, is it life-giving or is it destroying? Are you bringing destruction to the kingdom or are you bringing life to the kingdom? That is to me. Because when the Holy Spirit grieves, he's grieving the death. He's grieving someone's decision to turn away from the obedience, turn away from the life and the offering, to turn away from the opportunity to have a life under the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. When somebody says, you know what, I don't want what you have. I don't want Jesus and I'm going to live this life. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. That's walking away where now the Holy Spirit grieves because they had a purpose in Christ and they're deciding not to live that purpose out. Does that make sense? I want to tell you that because, you know, sometimes we promote further grief, drinking the Kool-Aid. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about all the problems. Let's talk about all the brokenness. And we compound the problem. Or in our sense of religious righteousness and holiness sometimes because we forget that we had a sin life. Or we continue to have one. And that we are covered by the grace of God. We sometimes make them feel like they're, they're, they're walking with a scarlet letter on their chest for the rest of their life for the mistakes they made. So we must promote no more Kool-Aid sessions. We're not going to talk about that person that had that going on. I'm being hit with this as well. And it says, get rid of all bitterness. Because you know what happens when, when your discord and your dysfunction and your drama and your offense and all these things, the devil just starts to tear on you. You know what it does? It takes bitterness and bitterness takes root. The word says that bitterness is something that takes root. And the bitterness, but you know what it says? Get rid of all bitterness. You know why I love that fact that it says get rid when Paul writes that, the word says? Because it means you gotta act on it. You can't sit back and be a couch potato in your life and expect bitterness to go away. It is an action. It is a love in action moment. You can't say, I forgive them, it's over. No, you have to act on it and participate in the forgiveness process and participate to say it's gone because I'm not gonna do it anymore. It's, it's about like, I'll tell you, like me. I'll confess You know, when you leave and transition out of a lead pastor position, you walk away with lots of wounds. I had the blessing of a year anniversary, basically, of already walking away. I sat down and spoke and had lunch with the lead pastor of the church that I left. And the reason was it was an action. You know why? It was an action to let bitterness die where it belongs and go back to hell where it belongs. Because it's not life-giving. I realized looking back on that moment from a few weeks ago, I I got the chance to dump the Kool-Aid out. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid anymore. So when somebody wants to come to me and ask me about my church and I got temptation to go, should I say something or not? Should I do this or not? No, I ain't have an issue. The bitterness has been dumped out because we dump the Kool-Aid. We don't drink the Kool-Aid. But what's it say to do? Be kind and compassionate. I hope where you're sitting right now, say those two words, kind, compassionate, because they are life-giving words from the word of God to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. This is the interesting part when unforgiveness brings in the bitterness and we get in these places and we're frustrated with each other and we're posting on Facebook and we're blasting people and we're putting things out there. You may have been wronged, but can I tell you something? In your sin nature, you wronged the God of the universe and he still went to a cross for you and went to the grave for you. And it fails in comparison to any bad thing that might ever happen on this world for you. And I'm not discounting some of the horrible things that are happening in this world. For those people when they need a loving church that's going to rally around them and let only what the supernatural love of Jesus Christ can do to heal hearts and wounds of body and mind that come from the trauma that this world provides for people. Save the children can't just be some Facebook cliche. It's got to be a rally call for the church to say, we love the old, we love the young, and we'll rally around to help the wounds because we know the healing that's going to come. It may be years of therapy and a psychologist, but it might also be that they need the healing power of Jesus Christ to realize they are whole again and that they can walk out of life that is full. It cannot be an incomplete process. But if we drink the Kool-Aid and we talk about it, even drink the Kool-Aid for the good stuff where we just like rallying and putting things up to make us look like we're woke and we understand what's happening in the world. You know what? That's not good enough. Because it says to be kind and compassionate. It's a state of being when we are actively in Christ. When the Holy Spirit is doing a work in us and through us, we are being kind. We are being compassionate. We are being love. We are being hope. We are being peace. We are being the answer to the world as we illuminate the light of Jesus Christ to the darkness. So now... As I taught these scriptures to you, I want to give you a couple quick points. I want to, I want to, I want to do some summary points with you to, to kind of hit some things that I feel like God is telling me when it comes to drinking the Kool-Aid, where we got to dump the Kool-Aid, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. First, our attacks on others is more a reflection of our own brokenness than it is the target of our words and actions. Some of you may have seen me post that on Facebook the other night kind of like a seed that God was dropping on me you see it's a funny thing you hear all those dumb I almost I don't want to call them dumb but like I mean yeah I call them dumb because I say a lot of things are dumb um so I gotta be me right but like you hear these cliches that go over and over again like God's God is creative and has a lot of ways to illustrate his his thoughts but we'll talk about you know unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die You'll hear that a lot. And it almost goes on deaf ears sometimes when it's heard so much. But here's what I want you to understand. It's true. But you know what? That's what Facebook has become, is that poison, that Kool-Aid. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. And I'm old now. I'm pushing 40, so I might need like, younger people to tell me the others. But... The reality is that becomes where we start to drink the poison. And we think if we put them on blast out there to everybody else, man, I feel good. Yeah, it's sweet at first, but you know what it becomes? Guys, you think you're getting a one-up on somebody, but the people that have any sense and wisdom feel sorry for you and we're praying for you. Because we can see that you're wounded. We can see that you're hurt. We can see that you're sitting there and the brokenness has taken you to a place that your heart is starting to harden. And it's a call. Church, can I challenge you that when you see those things, can it be a rally call to prayer that you pray for that individual right there? Not the person they're talking about. Pray for the person who's posting it. Because you're seeing that they're going, "It's It's, 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 it's a call to help. And some of them right now might be blasting me on social media right now going, you're an idiot. That's okay. I'm praying for you. You see, because wounded people wound people. A healed church can show people the way of healing. So I'm letting you know, church, if you're wounded and you're still stuck in wound, with wounds that are on, I want to tell you right now, I just want to speak boldly right to you. There's healing in Jesus Christ, and it's not just some open, empty message that we speak a lot. It's the truth. I've experienced God heal many things in my life that I never thought I'd be able to overcome. I've known many people and friends and family that God's healed many things in their life. Healing can come. Don't resort to beating others down. It's not worth it. Second thing is, you know, we're in a political world right now. Very political right now. And I want you to know that I don't believe that we should sacrifice our character at the altar of being correct. Sometimes we fight to just think we're correct. Let's fight and win the argument. Let's win an argument, sometimes it doesn't even matter. Anybody, you know, where you're at right now listening, are you an arguer where you got to win your argument every time? I'm guilty. Like, if I know something, somebody write, like states something that's completely garbage, like not even true, I'm like, you're wrong. You're wrong. But sometimes I feel like <laughs> we don't have to always be correct unless it's a matter of truth. When it's a matter of God's truth, that's when we need to be correct. But some things we don't always have to be correct on. Your politics that are not centered around God maybe, maybe it's just a policy. Can I give you a heads up? You don't always have to tell the other person they're wrong and you're correct. Hold to your value and vote that way. Cool. Thumbs up to you. Thanks for participating in the political process. You know, and the interesting thing is, is God's truth will never compromise your character. You see, so the times that it's God's truth, he's not going to compromise your character. So you're you're not compromising your character at the altar when it's about his truth. It's when we argue about dumb stuff. It's when we get in fights about dumb stuff, and I catch myself sometimes doing that. Somebody posts something, I'm like, that's stupid. Like, I'm I'm, I'm being real. Nobody's ever accused me of not being fake on a stage, because I I will tell you, I'm like, man, I'll read stuff and be like, man, you can't fix stupid. That's wrong. I got to take that to the Lord. But I'll tell you the truth, because you know what? You're out there judging me, but you think the same thing. But you know what? Or the fact that you got to fight to be right. You got to be right. You got to be on the right side. Get to have it right. Even though you're willing to compromise on so many other things, you'll be like, I got to be right on this issue. You see, the people that are willing to fold and bend to God, you're not even to God's truth on a certain issue, usually you'll find them compromise on a lot of other things too. And you know what? I'm going to tell you because I said, man, that's stupid. And I actually, this is in my notes. I'm prepared to say this. Stupidity doesn't always equal sin. So when you see something, you go, man, that just might be some stupidity. That doesn't mean it's always sin. I mean it. There are some things that we do that are stupid, but it doesn't mean we sinned. And there's no reason that we have to call out somebody's stupidity. Unless you're going to give them permission in a relationship that's with you that they can call out your stupidity. Because that's called brotherhood. But if you don't know them and you're a Facebook warrior or you're out there on Twitter, don't do it. You're not, you're, you're misrepresenting Jesus. You're misrepresenting the church. You're, mis, you're misrepresenting everything. You're making our job harder. Stop. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid. And the problem is, is you're going, yeah, but people agree with me. Yeah, that's right. Because they are drinking the Kool-Aid with you. They're co-signing on your dysfunction. Next, <laughs> I love this because I really believe it. Loving and forgiving was the number one calling placed on our lives. When we hear a calling, we always think a position. But what if I was to tell you your calling's a posture toward God, a posture of worship, a posture of reaching the world around you? We all have one. A calling is not just to be a pastor, an evangelist, a prophet. And so on. A calling is your purpose in life for God. And what if I was to tell you that rooted in that, loving and forgiving was our number one calling. You know why? Because the world's filled with brokenness. And Jesus knew that. He knows it. And you know what? He's calling on his church to exercise grace that is undeserved because he exercised grace that was undeserved. And it's our call to help amend a broken world around us because we're willing to do that inside the church. And it starts, a, don't, don't get all super religious on me. It starts right here. Church, you might be sitting right now and somebody you typically sat across from at, right now here at LOH, typically on a Sunday morning before COVID might be someone you might need to make a phone call and apologize to somebody you didn't, you didn't, you got out of your lane and started talking in somebody else's lane, maybe that's the time that you go apologize. But it's our number one calling placed on our lives. You see, because he talked about it earlier, we were meant to do what? Be kind and compassionate. Where is What's more compassionate than forgiving someone that the world would say doesn't deserve it? What's more kind than loving your brother as you love yourself? believe I read that somewhere somebody pretty cool named Jesus said that you see it's about being the church is meant to be it's a living being and we are a cool part of that because we're all participating so you know what let it be the calling on our life don't drink the kool-aid finally realize your words and actions matter When you drink the Kool-Aid, sometimes you forget that your words carry value. You know, it's funny because Proverbs 18.21 tells us, out of the mouth you can speak life and you can speak death. You know that? (laughs) It's about being. It's about being compassionate with our words, that they carry value. You know that one word can tear down someone that has had a thousand words build them up. You know who has to build people up? Those who speak wholesome like this word said. So when you're thinking about how you speak, how you act, how you love others, start there. My words carry weight. And when I'm in Christ, my words carry weight. You know why? because I've been given the Holy Spirit of God that works in me and through me. And to whom much is given, much is required, which means I must steward it and I must honor that and I must speak in a way that builds up his people and must draw, draw people that are lost and broken to him. And tonight, if you're sitting here this morning and you're worshiping and you go, I don't even know Jesus and I've thought all this is a bunch of junk. Can I tell you something? What I'm about to tell you, this is, what I've told you for this whole time has been true. His church is meant not to participate in drinking the Kool-Aid. Put down your cup with us. We're not perfect. We're going to drink the Kool-Aid. We'll invite you to the table occasionally. But the one thing we need to do is we know that we can ask for forgiveness. And we can move past it and learn from it. We can grow from our mistakes. Knowing that we want to be the individual that God called us to be. So if you're there right now and you're hurt and you're lost or broken and maybe you've been, you have wounds that have been festered and you've been broken for too long, I just want to encourage you right now that where you're at, you can pray and say, Lord, I just want to make you the Lord of my life and will you just, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know the right words. I don't even know how to pray. But well, all you got to do is just open your mouth and tell Jesus what you're feeling because if you're intentionally talking to him, he'll do the rest. And from there, it says that if we believe that he died for our sins and that he rose again and we believe that with all of our heart and mind, You are saved. And from there, he will guide you into a walkout that's the greatest journey that's ever existed, and that's walking out of life with Jesus Christ in his presence. I invite you to that with us today. You'll never regret it. You get to push away from the table, even though the Kool-Aid's sweet. It tastes something more sweet, and that's the living water of Jesus Christ. You see... Jesus described his love like living water and his presence like living water, something that you won't thirst again for. So all the things that you've gone to seek attention or hurts, the wounds, they become healed. But they're served as reminders because now you can find and see other people that may be walking through that same thing and you get to share your story with them because that's the beauty of his church when it's operating in capacity. We walk out there, we overcome the enemy Not just by the blood of the Lamb, but by the words of our testimony. And from there, we tell that story. And so this morning, I just challenge you to think about that. Let's church, and for our church brothers and sisters out there, I challenge you right now, set your mind heavenward. Let's respond. Let's not just respond to the problems that are happening in the world. Let's engage them Let's engage them before they begin by showing love to every person we come across. Let's show hope to the people come across and start by not drinking the Kool-Aid ourselves. So let's put our cup down and let's raise our hands and our voices and our hearts to Jesus Christ, letting him know he's our peace, he's our hope. And we no longer have to tear our brothers and sisters down in community, but instead we have a heavenward mission to build up his church and to build up the world around us and the community around us because there's too many lost and dying and there's an eternity, and there's heaven, and there's hell, and we don't have time to waste on petty drama inside his church when we got kingdom business that is greater than that, that we need to work toward. So let's speak life, let's speak hope, and let's speak love. I pray in the name of Jesus. Would you pray with me as the band comes up? Father, we just thank you. We just thank you always for this opportunity to, to serve you and to, and to share in your word. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to, to step out of the place of where we participate in the wounding of others. Let us put down our cup of Kool-Aid. And Lord, when the sweet thoughts of revenge come in our minds, God would you help us to t- take control of our minds, to mind our tongue, to mind our fingers on a keyboard? and let us just love our brother and sister in Christ knowing that you've loved us first, to forgive our brothers and sisters because you've already forgiven us. And God, would it be that you would call us to a place of action where we can unify through the discord? It could be a rally call to reach people for you, to serve your kingdom. And let to let other people experience the richness of your grace and mercy and the life that you have to offer them. Lord, I thank you for all you're doing here. We honor you now. In Jesus' name, amen.